Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Linda P. Jones. She is the president of the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and uh, how you got to be where and, and then creating this institute. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, you know, as a young child, I was just fascinated with how money grew. I just thought that if you could understand how to build wealth, that would really help you in life. And where I grew up was a suburb of Seattle called Mercer Island, and a lot of wealthy people lived there. They were CEOs and professional athletes. And our family was, um, my dad was a Boeing engineer and my mom a homemaker, so we weren't in that caliber, but I saw how a lot of my friends had tremendous wealth and lived in huge waterfront mansions and had big yachts and lived this big life, and it just fascinated me, and I thought, why are some people rich? And it just was a question that stayed with me my whole life, and so I studied business and finance, and I got into the investment world. And I started devouring all these books that millionaires had written, and I read Think and Grow Rich when I was about 10 years old. And I saw that the millionaires actually followed about eight steps in common. And I called those the eight steps to wealth, which I followed myself and became a millionaire at age 38. And then after um, years in the industry and, and working with investments, um, my husband passed away, and it was kind of a turning point in my life where I just decided that my purpose was really to teach other people what I knew and how to build wealth because it was very often extremely different from what I had learned in the investment world, and, and the principles were sometimes opposite what we were teaching in the financial world. And so I really wanted to get out with my message and teach people what I knew about wealth building, and that's how I started the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. Now, in addition to learning about this, uh, you have become a mentor. Tell us about what kind of mentoring you do today. I am a wealth mentor, and um, basically that means that I teach people about money and wealth building. I don't tell them what to do like a financial advisor does. I teach them and empower them so that they can make their own financial decisions or work with a financial advisor. So I teach them about the stock market, what's going on with money, what's going on with money printing, a lot of the things that we'll talk about today, how uh, markets move in cycles, and you need to understand what cycle we're in to really build wealth. A lot of um, women also struggle with not feeling deserving and worthy of wealth, and that's something that was never discussed when I was in the financial world and has to be addressed as a basic foundation for women to go forward. Tell people about the websites that you have and what people can find at those websites. Sure. The Global Institute of Wealth for Women is at wealthforwomen.com. And I have another website called Wealthy and Smart, which is for men and women, about investing in my wealth mentoring. And so what do they find at those websites? Uh, at the Global Institute of Wealth for Women, they'll actually find a video series of the eight steps to wealth. I've shot a video on each one of the steps, and they can learn those steps that millionaires follow to become wealthy. And then at the Live Wealthy and Smart page, they'll get some more information about what's going on in the economy, how billionaires are building wealth right now, how cycles are really important to understanding to build their wealth. Okay, before we get into the eight steps to wealth, most people think it's just not possible. So let, let's talk about the if they followed your eight steps, what, what are the likelihoods that people can, in fact, achieve wealth in a country where wealth is really concentrated amongst a pretty small number of people now? Well, it's interesting that you said most people don't believe that they can achieve wealth because that's actually a really crucial thing because 
a wealthy mindset is the foundation of all wealth, and that's something that the book Think and Grow Rich talked about, that it documented wealthy people, and one thing that it said was that people had to believe that they could do it and believe that they could come well, become wealthy. So whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. So that's the first place to start. But um, in, this, in this economy right now, a lot of people aren't really seeing where the opportunities to build wealth are. And I really think that right now is one of the best times to build wealth I've ever, ever seen in my over 25 years in the investment industry. And, and why is that? Why is it? Most people think it's a horrible time. Why would you say one of the best times to build wealth? Well, because it's, it's a tremendous time to build wealth for where we're going. And most people don't see, they, they're not looking ahead to where we're going. They tend to look in the rearview mirror at where we've been, and they don't understand how cycles work. So through our conversation today, I think by the end they'll understand more about that. But where the wealth-building opportunities are, are not in real estate, and it's not in the Standard & Poor's 500 stock market index or those averages. It's not historically where we've seen it the last 30 years. It's actually in opportunities we haven't seen for 30 years. And that's what people aren't seeing, is that the tremendous wealth-building opportunity has been out of favor for such a long period of time that they don't even know to look there to build their wealth there. Great. All right, we're going to get into it in more detail about the cycles you're talking about, but let's start with the, uh, the steps to wealth. The first one is, as you say, have a, a wealthy mindset. So what can people do uh, to get out of their current mindset, which in many cases is very scared and fear-based and holding on to whatever they've got, uh, to get into a wealthy mindset? Exactly. Our whole culture is very fear-based. Everything we see on the media and television that we read about is very fear-based. So to get out of fear, what people need to do is get into a mindset of gratitude because fear and gratitude cannot exist in your mind at the same time. So when you start writing, I just recommend that people write a list of 100 things that they're grateful for. And what that does is it actually starts getting your mind thinking differently because that fear that we have actually activates what's called the reticular activating system, which, which screens out things and people actually block out positive things and can't see those things when they're in that mindset. So being in a fearful mindset actually physically changes how you think. So to get into gratitude turns that around. And it's not that 100 is any magic number. It's just that it starts getting you thinking in a positive light, which allows you to hear and see more opportunities than you've been able to see before and not screen those out. So that's the most important thing is to start being in a mindset of gratitude. So gratitude, even if you don't have a lot, you're saying to be grateful for whatever you do have. You know, it's so funny, Jordan. It's like I tell people you can write you're grateful for your dog's eyelashes. I mean, it doesn't have to be any enormous thing that you have that you're grateful for, but just the fact of being alive or being able to enjoy looking out at a beautiful view or feeling the sun on your skin and the warmth. Just anything that you feel grateful for, it's to totally just turn your mindset. It doesn't have to be possessions or wealth that you have, but just that you're grateful for everything that you have. I have one client who was working on this list, and she said she got to about number 42, and she said, oh, I get it. It's not how many things I'm grateful for. It's that I'm grateful for everything. And I said, that's it. That's exactly it. And so you're saying when you're filled with uh, gratefulness and gratitude, uh, it kind of blocks out the fear that allows you to open up to being wealthy. Is that the idea? Exactly. It, it actually allows you to hear things differently and see things differently. I often have clients tell me that people have told them certain things or uh, they've been, you know, ignoring information that people have been telling them for a long time. And when they get into that mindset of gratitude, those, those comments can actually get in and they can actually hear differently. They're not hearing from fear and blocking it out. They're actually open to positive things and they hear differently and so they're often able to hear investment opportunities or work opportunities or businesses that they could start it's amazing the different stories that I hear that, that people get from just changing their mindset okay so that's the first step to wealth is to have the wealthy mindset what is the second step to wealth the second step is to save a nest egg so a nest egg is important because we've got to have something to start investing with 
So an easy thing to do is the old adage of paying yourself first, which is just saving 10% of everything that you make of all your income and putting that aside and saving that first. And a lot of people are struggling with debt right now. So if that's a situation that people are involved in, um, looking at debt is often an important first step because a lot of debt, again, has fear around it. The gratitude can help there. But also just facing their debt. A lot of people really don't want to look at it. They don't want to look at what the balance is, what the interest rate is, what the payment schedule is, any of that. So I recommend that people just face their debt, which is an important first step, and acknowledge it, make some notes about it, make a little spreadsheet for themselves, and just start actually being okay with having the debt and then developing a plan to start paying it off. Now, today, you really literally earn nothing on savings. I mean, your nest egg, it's a savings account, a treasury bills, or money market funds, you're literally earning zero. Where should people put their nest egg so it's going to grow somewhat and still be pretty safe today? Well, that's probably a good topic for you to talk to them about. Um, I think that you're right. It, there is a difficult place to save money right now. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of treasury bills so much. I'm not a fan of much of anything. It's really the savings part is just developing a, a an amount of money so that they can invest in the future and get that money growing for them. So okay, it's very not, good. It's not, yeah, it's not so much about the savings itself right now. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Linda P. Jones. Uh, she is the president of the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. And we'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Linda P. Jones. She is the president of the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. Welcome back to the show, Linda. Thanks, Jordan. We were going through the uh, eight steps to wealth, and the first one was have a, a wealthy mindset. The second one was save a nest egg. What is the third step? The third step is to find a mentor. So finding a mentor is about finding someone who's actually done what it is you want to do so that they can teach you and give you shortcuts, uh, an easier path, a straighter path to getting to where you want to go. And a lot of people nowadays are not really finding someone as a mentor who's done what they want to do. There's a lot of people that teach about wealth or uh, talk about it but haven't actually created wealth themselves. So it's really important, I think, to find a mentor who's actually done what it is you're trying to do. And so this is something you do as well, right? Exactly. So just briefly describe the mentorship process that you go through. Well, the mentorship process that I have is a 10-week um, process that takes people through all of the eight steps to wealth, but also takes them into what's happening with money today, where are the best places to invest, how to actually 
determine where to invest, um, what, how to use different stock market tools to invest. Uh, we go through inverse ETFs, for example. Uh, there's a whole lot of different uh, tools and things that, that I go through, but it's for men, women, and couples. And uh, I enjoy working with all different people that are excited about learning how to build wealth. And again, give them the website. They can find out more about the mentorship process. They can go to wealthyandsmart.com. Very good. Okay, what is the fourth step to wealth? The fourth step is investing in a money engine. And a money engine is that vehicle that's going to grow your wealth. So some people have a business that's a money engine, which is a very good money engine because Businesses can often grow at 100% per year and compound at, at very high rates. But if you aren't a business person or aren't an entrepreneur or have a particular skill to become an entrepreneur, then it's important to find the right investment. And that's where the cycles come in that we're going to talk about later on today. But it's really about finding the best place to grow your wealth, the most efficient place that's going to compound your money and really, really grow your wealth. And that's where... Most people are kind of confused today because they're looking in the rearview mirror at where we've been, and those things, those booms that we've been through, through real estate and through the Internet bubble and things like that, are not the next place to build wealth. So it's really important to look forward to the future and where we're going when you're looking at a money engine. What would be one example? We'll get into the cycle stuff later, but what would be one example of a money engine people might uh, take a look at? One of the money engines that I really like would be precious metals. So looking at gold and silver and um, investing in some different ETFs, for example. We could do gold and silver mining stocks or physical gold and silver, but gold and silver has actually been out of favor for a long time. And while people think that it may be expensive right now. The reality is that silver is still priced below where it was 30 years ago. So it's still a very, very good buy here. Okay, and what is your fifth step to wealth? So the fifth step is to compound at a high rate. So it's important to find that area that's really going to compound your wealth because the wealth building formula is really the amount of time that you have to invest the amount of money that you have to invest, and the rate that you can compound at. So when you can compound at a high rate, that's so crucial because most people are a little bit short on the time that they have left. They've started late. They've been raising a family, buying a house. They haven't really had a lot of time left to really invest their money. They haven't really had a lot of money to start with. That nest egg hasn't necessarily been a real big nest egg to start with. So most people are sort of lacking in that part of the formula, the time that they have ahead and the nest egg that they have to invest. So most people, it's so important that they get the compounding right and be in the right money engine at the right time. And unfortunately, what happens is most of us look in the rearview mirror at a past track record, and that's where people are investing. And that's not necessarily the best place to invest for the future and the best place to compound their wealth. So it's really crucial in what I teach is to be in the right place at the right time rather than the wrong place all the time. Because I don't believe it's right to be in the stock market for your entire life and just buy and hold for your entire life in the stock market. What would be the kind of rates of return that should be expected when you say compound at a high rate in today's very low interest rate environment? Well, what's really interesting is that when you look at where gold and silver have been the last 10 years, which is when this cycle started, was in 2000. When you look at their 10-year track record, gold has compounded at 17% a year for the last 10 years, and silver has compounded at 24% a year for the last 10 years. And we're still early on in that cycle. So I think that they still have probably another maybe six to eight years to go at those compounding rates. Okay, and what is your sixth uh, step to wealth? So the sixth step to wealth is to leverage wisely. So just like the old average adage using other people's money was uh, something that wealthy people knew about building wealth, it was about getting bank loans or using other people's money to build wealth, leverage can increase your rate of return. So, for example, just for ease of, of mathematics, let's say that someone bought a $100,000 house and they paid cash for it. Let's say the house went up 
that's $10,000. That's a 10% rate of return. But if they leveraged and they did like most people do, which is put $10,000 down and uh, bought a $100,000 house, and then that house went up 10%, that's actually $10,000 on their $10,000 investment or a 100% return. So leverage actually helps people build more wealth, and that's why millionaires know that leveraging wisely can build more wealth. So it's not always appropriate, but sometimes using leverage can be appropriate. What is the difference between leveraging wisely and unwisely? What would be an example of wise leverage versus unwise leverage? Unwise leverage would be either what I call bad debt, which is using leverage to buy things that go down in value, like cars or boats or uh, other toys of some sort, uh, scuba equipment, expensive photography equipment that are thousands and thousands of dollars, things like that that can go down in value, or um, or leverage that hangs on too long, which brings us into the next actual uh, step, which is protecting your wealth, because some people stay leveraged too long, and that's where they don't leverage wisely, because they get leveraged to build their wealth. A lot of people built wealth in the real estate boom, and we're compounding at a high rate while that was the cycle that was in favor. But when that went out of favor, they were staying leveraged, and that's unwise leverage, and weren't paying off their debt, selling properties to pay off their debt, and that's where they lost their wealth just as quickly as they built it. So you're saying the seventh uh, step to wealth is protecting your wealth. What are some things people can do to protect their wealth once they've built it up? Well, most of the millionaires that I read about and how I developed these steps was I saw that millionaires typically concentrated their wealth when they were building it, and they didn't diversify their wealth until they had already made their wealth, which is one of the things that the uh, financial industry talks about in the opposite. It talks about diversification while you're building wealth, but that's actually not what millionaires do. They concentrate and then they diversify. So protecting your wealth has to do with diversification after you've made your wealth in order to protect it. You're saying to concentrate your money in places that are going to be growing at high rates of return, and then after you've built up a significant amount, then you can diversify. Exactly. And then what is your eighth step to wealth? The eighth step is to give and create your legacy. So giving means giving to charity and giving money away, which can draw money back to you as a spiritual principle. It can bring money back your way. And creating your legacy is about just giving meaning to your life and what your life stood for and giving to causes and other uh, places that were really important during your lifetime. So when you present these eight steps to wealth, uh, what kind of resistances come up in people to say, well, that's good for them, but it's not going to work for me, and how do you overcome that resistance? Well, I think the most resistance comes up in the wealthy mindset area because that's something that pretty much everyone struggles with. And many of those, many of those belief systems are actually subconscious. And they're programmed into us from the media, from our parents, from religious organizations, from all different places, from school, from all different places that we've grown up. So a lot of that resistance really comes from within, and it's not even conscious, but we all have them. And so there's different things that people sort of uh, are battling with and different thoughts that they're battling with. And so oftentimes they can't even express what those thoughts are or what those blocks are. So what I do is I work with people to actually have a change of their belief system so that they can work through some of those blocks. But I'd say that's the, the common stumbling area where pretty much everyone has some resistance. It's right there around the wealthy mindset. Can you give me an example of one of your clients who you've mentored and how they went from not going anywhere to becoming wealthy using your system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had a, a client who was a, um, a woman who sold advertising and for a radio station. And she had actually gotten herself into some debt, gotten some bad credit, and then the financial crisis hit. And so her commissions went down from advertising. So she and her husband actually cashed out their retirement plan and were struggling just to pay their mortgage. 
And when she and I connected, we started with her mindset because she had so much fear around not being able to make commissions and not being able to support her lifestyle anymore because of the recession that we really worked on that strongly. So we were also at the same time working on a company that would help her get her credit back in order. So they were working on getting her credit back. We were working on her mindset. We got her mindset turned around so that she had her best year ever. We got her credit turned around so she was able to refinance her house and save herself or add $1,500 a month to her actual income from being able to refi and go on her way to um, now being the, the star at her company for her advertising. She beat all of the other people. And now we're working on her next year plan because now she's worried about outdoing next year. So we're working on her mindset beliefs around next year. But uh, she's already just so changed her financial situation from when we started. Great. Okay. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Linda P. Jones. Uh, she is the president of the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. And we'll be back with more from Linda after this. markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Linda P. Jones. She's the president of the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. Welcome back to the show, Linda. Thanks, Jordan. We've been talking about cycles a little bit, and let's explain what you mean uh, by investment cycles. Well, investment cycles are different investments that rotate and repeat in their popularity and in their performance. So, for example, we had a stock market cycle that started in 1982 and went till about 2000, so 18 years of good performance in the stock market. Um, but prior to that, the cycle that had been in the great performance was the precious metals area. And so now what we're seeing is that the precious metals are cycling back again and co- other commodities. And so we see that about every 18 to 20-some years, we see this repeating cycle. It goes from the stock market into the commodities, into the stock market, into the commodities. So they just alternate and if you're in the right place at the right time, it can make a tremendous difference in wealth building. What makes a cycle end and a new one begin? Well, part of it is uh, just the way that the, what I would call a universal principle, is that things that move in cycles, our universe tends to move in cycles. But part of it, too, is the nature of the economic flow, which is that prices get undervalued and money is searching for 
where is value, and so it'll go to undervalued assets, and then they move to the extreme of overvalue. And when they move to the extreme of overvalue, then the smart money will move out first and move into the undervalued areas, which will be the next up-and-coming cycle. So, it just so are you saying that the precious metal cycle were now started around 2000, or when did that yes. cycle really start? Yes, it started in 2000. So we're already 11 years into it, you're saying? We are. Yes, we are. So some people would say that, you know, as much as gold has had a huge move, that the cycle's pretty well over. How do you know that there's a lot more still to come in the precious metal cycle? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but the cycles tend to run about 20 years. So you can go back through history and see that about every 20 years these have alternated. Uh, so that's one way. But another way is because of what's going on with money and money printing and the fact that the government has printed so much money that that's also what's causing the gold and silver in particular and other commodities, other tangible assets, commodities that come from the ground like agriculture and energy and things like that, farmland, to appreciate in value. It's because what's happening is a fundamental change in our currency. And as our currency becomes devalued, these tangible assets are going to be going up in value. So. It's my belief that we haven't even begun to see the extreme overvaluation that this is going to cause at some point because most cycles eventually do peak in a bubble. And just like we saw the stock market peak in a bubble in early 2000, I think we're going to see precious metals peak in a huge bubble because it's going to be a worldwide bubble this time because all the currencies are being printed. So we've got the biggest bubble potentially ever in our lifetime ahead of us. So gold is roughly $1,800 an ounce now. How high do you think it might get before the bubble breaks? Gosh, you know, it's, it almost sounds crazy to predict how high it can go, and I hate to do that. But there's a lot of experts that have definitely predicted that gold can get over $10,000 an ounce very easily. And silver, even more so, because silver is actually, in some regards, rarer than gold because the silver that we use actually gets used up because it's in computers, it's in technology, it's in solar technology, and it doesn't get reclaimed. So a lot of it goes into the dump, and we never get it back. And so people, some people have predicted that silver will be the first element that disappears on the periodic table of elements uh, because it's actually getting used up. So silver, percentage-wise, has the potential to go very high and even outperform on a percentage basis more than gold. So there are different ways to invest in gold and silver. What are some pros and cons of the different ways that you recommend uh, people get into gold and silver? Well, there's physical gold and silver, and of course one of the cons of that is just having it around and having to store it yourself. There's ways to have other people store it for you, like uh, goldmoney.com which stores it actually out of the country and segregates it, puts it in your name, has it audited by an independent third party to verify that it's there. Um, they can actually wire you money and back and forth to your bank account and have you be able to buy gold, silver, platinum, or palladium in your account and even determine where you want to hold it. So they can hold it for you uh, rather than having to hold it in your house. But having to store it yourself is definitely a downside of having some physical gold and silver. If you want to do uh, ETFs, you can do that. There's GLD and SLV, but the problem with those and why I never recommend those for my clients is because they're actually not contractually obligated to have the physical gold and silver in those ETFs. If you read the prospectus, they don't have to have the physical gold and silver behind them. So in case that there was any kind of um, issue with not being able to deliver on silver or gold contracts, that would be a definite negative for people to have that counterparty risk. When they actually do have stores of gold and silver now, you're just saying they're not legally obligated to do so. Exactly. Exactly. But they do track gold and silver prices pretty carefully, the gold, SLV and GLD. Yes, they do. They, tra they track the spot prices, gold and silver, that's right. So, okay, if you don't like GLD and SLV, what other way would you uh, play gold and silver? So you can, you can buy some other ETFs that do contractually guarantee to have silver, like PSLV, which is a physical silver uh, ETF that's in Canada, uh, SIVR, SGOL, PHYS. Those are all 
uh, physical ways, CEF, those are all physical ETFs that hold gold or silver. And then, are you saying you think that GLD and SLV someday may not keep their contracts? In fact, would because they're not legally obligated to do so, would would not have the gold and silver backing them that most people are expecting? That's a lot of the articles that I've read have indicated that. Yes, there is concern about that. Because they're growing so fast, you're saying they may not be able to get the actual physical supplies. Correct. And okay, also. And also, they don't contractually have to have it. If you read the prospectus, they don't actually have to have all the gold and silver that people are buying. So um, they don't have to physically store all the gold and silver. And how about the gold and silver mining companies or ETFs? I like the gold uh, mining stocks. I like GDX and GDXJ, which are the 30 largest gold mining companies. GDX and GDXJ are the junior mining companies. And that's a great way to leverage. Uh, remember we talked about leverage being, smart leverage being one of the ways to build wealth. Well, gold mining stocks actually leverage the price of gold because as the price of gold goes up and you own these mining stocks, these mining companies become more profitable because their cost to mine the gold out of the ground is pretty fixed. So as the price per ounce of gold goes up, that makes them infinitely more uh, profitable. So those companies, I think, are going to be really sought after by institutions, and they're really going to want to invest in those. So that's a great way to actually leverage some of your money because those can go up, and we can see tremendous multiples on those. So of a typical portfolio, long-term portfolio, uh, how much of it do you think, just roughly, should be in gold and silver through one of the techniques you just mentioned? Well, many people suggest uh, perhaps a 5% to 10% allocation to start, which I think makes sense. So we're seeing now that most financial advisors are starting to put an allocation of natural resources or an alternative investment in people's portfolios, and I think that's very wise for them to do. So for people that have financial advisors and are talking with them about getting started, I think talking with them about a 5 to 10% allocation makes a lot of sense. So you don't think, I mean, with everything you're talking about, you, it sounds like you were saying much more than 10% or so. Well, I think people are going to come to that realization on their own because as the currency has some issues and as our currency becomes more and more devalued, as our government is printing more and we have quantitative easing, which is actually uh, like running a printing press, uh, essentially they're issuing bonds and buying them back instead of issuing bonds and selling them to foreign countries. So when they're creating trillions and trillions of dollars, the effect of that is to devalue our currency because they're trying to create new jobs and keep our imports or our exports um, competitive. So by doing that, though, they're really devaluing our currency. When you see the price of gold going up, it's not so much that gold is going up, it's that gold is maintaining its purchasing power and the value of the dollar is falling against the value of gold. Would you invest in other currencies that are kind of harder currencies, like the Swiss franc or Australian dollar, Canadian dollar, as, as stores of value? Some of those currencies can be good. We've definitely seen the Chinese yuan uh, maintain its value. We've seen the Norwegian currency and the Australian currency and the Canadian currencies be strong. But the problem is, is that many of these currencies are devaluing. Even the Swiss just devalued their currency about 8.7% because their currency was getting too strong and it was hurting their economy. So we're sort of in this race to devalue currencies, and it's sort of who's the best out of the worst. And certainly the euro is in a mess and uh, may have, I think, more troubles. In fact, this, the issues that we've seen with Greece could be the Lehman Brothers of this next crisis that I think we're going to be going into. So none of the paper currencies are really great, but if you wanted to, I think the yuan, the krona, the um, Australian, and the Canadian are probably the best of all the paper currencies. So what scenario do you see going forward? Um, as you say, Greece may be the next Lehman Brothers, and, and how would that affect the investment markets uh, as, as this unfolds? I think that we could see the euro come apart. I think we could see um, 
Greece be a first um, a first country to really cause that to come unglued? And I think that that is going to cause some real troubles in our markets because basically um, it's sort of like what we went through with our banking crisis. They're going through with their countries over there in the euro. And it's going to definitely impact our markets. I see that we are going to be going through, I think, a very, very steep bear market going forward. I think it's going to take a long time for us to get out of that. So I don't see us going on to make new highs for till the end of this cycle where we get through um, the physical commodities and, and then finishing this cycle. And you're saying that's like another eight years or so? Exactly. Yeah, very good. Okay. That's why it's We're important. Break. Sure. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Linda P. Jones. She is the president of the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. And we'll be back. After this. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions. Religious, scientific, political, or financial, Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire. With high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans, he'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you're looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business channel when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you've been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Linda P. Jones. Uh, she is the president of the Global Institute of Wealth for Women. Welcome back to the show, Linda. Thank you, Jordan. Um, you say there are several billionaires out there who are investing. Uh, maybe talk about some of them and, and how they're investing and how you're learning from that. You know, I think that it's so important to follow where the wealthy are investing because it really gives us a different roadmap. You know, John Paulson was... Uh, an investor who became a billionaire from the housing crisis and he learned how to make money from the declining value of homes and from the mortgages going down and a book was written about him I think he made over seven billion dollars in a year with the housing crisis and I tell people that um, it's interesting to know where he is investing right now do you want to know sure he's investing in a gold fund and he started a gold fund to hold physical gold and gold mining stocks, but he also priced it in gold, which means that as the value of the dollar goes down and the value of gold goes up, 
he is maintaining the value that he's receiving from people because they have to pay him in the price of gold. That tells you something about what he thinks is uh, the future of the currency, I think. This is now a fund that the average person could get into, though, right? Exactly. Hedge funds are for people that generally have um, millions of dollars of net worth and are what's called accredited investors. So, um, it would Another uh, billionaire you follow is Eric Sprott. What is he doing? Eric Sprott is um, a person who has started a silver fund, and basically he has said that he thinks silver will be the investment of the decade. And he has started an ETF that houses physical silver so people can buy the ETF and be assured that physical silver is there. An interesting thing about that was when he went to put the ETF together, he thought it would be relatively easy to go out and buy a few hundred million dollars worth of silver. And what he found was that it took him literally months to get the silver, and he had to wait for the mint to... Uh, get it from the mines and mint it, and it was it was a lot more difficult than he thought than just taking delivery on futures contracts and things that he thought would be a lot easier to get the physical silver. So he's talked about how the price of silver is really how it's been held down and how he thinks that it's going to go much higher. And, in fact, he thinks even right now it could be about $100 an ounce would be a much more reasonable price for silver than $40 an ounce where it currently is. Is the ETF that he created something that people can buy? Yeah. Um, he has the uh, physical uh, silver uh, ETF, PSLV. Okay, uh, so that's something people can do themselves, yes. Uh-huh. And, and then another one you follow is Jim Rogers. What is he doing? Yeah, Jim Rogers used to be George Soros' partner, and he's a self-made billionaire, retired at 37, had an over had an amazing track record, over 4,000 200% return um, in just his decade that he was investing. Uh, he's saying that he thinks farmland, he likes gold and silver as well and commodities, but he thinks farmland is actually a great place to invest right now. It's been so out of favor for so long, and farmland is going to be more important to us because as the dollar devalues and imports become so much more expensive for us to buy food, people are going to want to grow it locally so we don't have to use the currency exchange and get into issues with that. So he's saying that young people should not bother getting their MBA, but they should become farmers because the farmers are going to be driving the Ferraris in the future. <laughs> How else would you invest in farmland? Well, I think um, I know some people who are buying farmland who are buying it rather cheaply in the Midwest. There are some good buys right now. Uh, you can buy it and then lease it to other people to farm it, so you don't actually have to farm it yourself, but you can lease it and have other people actually grow the crops and um, actually you know, share in the appreciation or share in the business, but also have the appreciation of the farmland as well. And then are there other ways that you would uh, invest in grains, uh, not the farmland itself, but the grains? Oh, well, you can uh, invest in ETFs like DBA, which is... Uh, commodities ETF and also Moo M O O is a commodities ETF. So you can take advantage of those without having to actually be in the commodities market. But you can buy the ETFs that make it really easy for you to invest that way. So you think so? Those are your main areas that you like. Well, I guess the other one would be energy. Is that right? You you are a believer that energy prices are going to go up. I like energy as well. Yes, I like oil and some of the alternative energies, solar and wind and things like that. Uranium uh, for nuclear, I think definitely we're going to see some more demand come back for those energies and um, probably the nuclear area a lot more. Uranium really got hit after the Japanese earthquake because of the scare with the reactor over there, but I really think that we're going to see the price of uranium come up and be very strong this decade. So how would you play the other energy sectors, oil and alternative energies? Um, you, there's a, uh, an ETF for uh, uranium, which is URA, and that's uh, an ETF of uranium stocks that I'm fond of. Um, that's probably a, a decent time to buy right now since it's been beaten down pretty hard. And there's other ETFs for, um, for other energy, for solar, um, I believe it's SOL for solar, and FAN for wind. Um, there's, just, there's different ETFs for different types of energy. So you think all those will do well as well? 
So as an overall question, what's going to be the difference in somebody's financial outcome and lifestyle if they follow your advice for basically going into gold, silver, uh, agricultural, uh, energy versus a traditional S&P 500 or blue chip kind of stock portfolio? Well, of course, I can't make any guarantees, but I can say that, you know, if people have been invested in the S&P for the last decade, they've seen their investment go nowhere to down. So the S&P, basically, we just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, and during that time period, we really saw that the market is about just a little bit above, tiny bit above where it was on 9-11. So after 10 years of wealth building, they really have very little to show for it for being in the S&P. And as I was mentioning earlier with the wealth building formula, time is one of the elements that you just really can't afford to waste. So it's really important to be in the right place at the right time, and that's why during the last 10 years, we've seen that the right cycle has been in precious metals and commodities. Um, and I, I believe that that's going to continue for another decade, just like it has repeatedly, you know, every 20 years um, been a repeat of that. So I think that we can see that 17 to 24% for gold and silver going forward, if not more, because like I said, this is going to turn into a worldwide bubble where central banks around the world are going to want to back their currencies by physical gold and silver again, just like we used to be. We were taken off that standard in the 70s, but ultimately the answer for currencies, for paper currencies, is to have a physical metal backing them that's in limited supply, and I think eventually that's going to be the precious metals. Another area you talk about is real estate. Uh, people think of real estate as quite depressed today, particularly single-family homes. How should you invest real estate? Invest in real estate going forward, and where will you do well, and where will you not do well in real estate? Well, I'm not a big fan of real estate because interest rates move in a 30-year cycle, and we have uh, we've come down from that 1981-82 high of interest rates to about right now we're seeing the low in interest rates. The next 30 years, we're going to see interest rates rise again, in my opinion, as well as inflation. And so I'm I'm wanting people to really lock in the low fixed-rate mortgages that they have right now in a 30-year 30 30 mortgage. Um, but also, I think that real estate prices probably haven't bottomed yet because as interest rates go up, I think that's going to drive prices down. In addition, I think we've had a real shift of people who don't want to own multiple homes anymore and who want to downsize. And so I think we have a real demand shift that is not going to be good for the real estate market for quite a while. So really, and how about apartment buildings? Is rentals different than single-family homes? It is. I think I think apartment buildings can do well. I think they will be extremely uh, popular. I think also if you can buy a home at the right price out of foreclosure um, and can get it rented at a at a positive cash flow, that can be a positive investment for people. But they've got to really, really, really buy right. All right, terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Linda P. Jones. Uh, you can find out more about her at her uh, institute, uh, which is uh, the Global Institute for Wealth for Women. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Linda. My pleasure, Jordan. Thank you. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.